Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Let's open the scripture together. We're going to jump back into the book of Revelation. I'm calling this The Revelation. Uh, we're going to look to the scripture this morning. And for, for those that weren't here last time, uh, I'm going to kind of head over and, and look at a couple things we talked about uh, last time and then, and then jump on into the rest. But the Apostle Paul, we, we, or, sorry, Apostle John, uh, he, he writes to uh, the seven churches in, in Asia, that's now Turkey, uh, is, is where he was writing to these seven churches. And he encouraged followers of Jesus to remain uh, faithful in the face of really some strong persecution and difficulties that they were facing. And he was challenging them also to uh, not to go back, not to go into false teaching. And so in this setting, you have this guy named Domitian who is, uh, who is the emperor at the time. Uh, and he was really hard on the churches of Asia then with persecution. You know, that guy was enamored with himself, and he, he was even required or ordered them to uh, worship him as Lord God. Uh, and so, but the revelation was a vision John had received from the Lord Jesus, and it assured believers the ultimate victory had already been won by Jesus Christ. Now, see, that is something that we need to hold on to as individuals, that we know that Jesus has won the victory and he's got eternal life, your eternal life, in his hands when you put your faith in him. You know, we looked at the church of Ephesus last week, and they were a strong body of Christians, but yet they, they had had some challenges, they had some frailties, and their, their, their faith in opposition of false apostles and false doctrine was strong. They were strong in that way, yet those believers faced the fact that their love for the Lord really had weakened it had weakened, and they had kind of lost their first love, and and so. But now we're uh, now we are uh, uh, looking at this next uh, church. It's a local church, right? It's uh, the Church of Smyrna, and uh, you want to say that about ten times. And so, let's look at uh, the Church of Smyrna and the letter that the that the Lord Jesus is given through to the Apostle John, and he says this in verse eight to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you're rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. He's laying some things out for them. Verse 10, he says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. When I think of that, the victor's crown, you know, back in that day, like in, with, the, with the games, like what we call Olympics then, it would be, that, would be the leaves that were, they were given to them to, uh, uh, to, uh, to celebrate their victory, and he's going to give that to them. And in verse 11, he says... Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, or the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Scripture says it's appointed unto man uh, uh, once to die and then the judgment, right? 
So who's speaking in these verses again? And like we looked at last time, we, we see that Jesus is speaking to the Apostle John, and, 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 he's, and John is writing and relaying this spoken message to the local church. And Jesus identifies himself in verse 8 as the first and the last who died and came to life again. And he's reminding the local church of Smyrna that there were there. Uh, that he was there in the beginning. When everything was created, he was there with the Father at his hand. And he will be there at the final judgment in the end. And they, they may be suffering persecution and rejection for this local church but in their community, but Christ is still Lord of all, and he still has their back, and he's still walking with them. He's still in control, even over those who are filled with hate and fear. And God has a hedge around them. He's got a hedge around us as followers of Jesus as well. See, the simple fact is that Jesus reminds the church in Smyrna that, uh, that he died and was raised again. And that should encourage them when they face prison time for their faith. When they face difficult times that are not very good to them, they can trust in him. So the victory that we look forward to is this victory that Jesus has already won. And, you know, you may face struggles in your life in this world, but you can have this victory in Christ. And it's important for us not to just know about him, but to trust him and put our faith in him. Because he is the one that sustains our lives with his hands. He cares for his people. The second thing we see here out of verse 9 is that he tells them, look, you, you, you face difficulty, you face poverty, but you're rich in Christ. You're rich in Christ. You know, we can have all the money, all the funds in the world and be as poor as ever because if we don't have that relationship with God. So, but who's Jesus speaking here to? He's speaking to the church in Smyrna, right? That's who he's talking with and he tells John to address the letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna and in, in verse 8. And this is really similar to the greeting of the other, letter, uh, other letters to the other seven churches. And although these letters are different to each one of these churches, he addresses each one of them. But they were likely meant for everybody else, all the other churches to read. It was to them specifically, but it was for others as well, so they could read it and they could be, they could grow in their faith, they could be encouraged, they could hear the direction of the Lord, and it's the same for us too. We need, we need. That's why we need to read the Word of God and open it up for ourselves to allow the Lord to speak into our lives, so that we can grow in our walk with Him. So here, Roman Smyrna, it was, a, it was an impressive harbor city, and it, was, a, it was a vi a vital, had vital trade connections with the Hermas Valley uh, to the town of Sardis, one of those other churches. Uh, and you find uh, it was beautiful, but today Smyrna is called Izmir, Turkey. Uh, that's the, the city today, and it, and it was described by ancient writers as the ornament of Asia. So Smyrna was about 35 miles north of Ephesus that we talked about last week and on the Gulf of Ismar. And so the city is laid out in John's time beside a wide, beautifully paved streets and adorned with temples and bathhouses and gymnasiums and theaters and a stadium and a library. It had all this stuff. 
and, and uh, to meet all the needs of the, of the people in Smyrna. And it was about 100,000 people. So it was kind of like Topeka in some sense in the size and maybe like the boulevard used to be, right, in some sense. And so Smyrna, it's smaller than Ephesus. Remember, Ephesus was about 250,000 people, but, but, but still it's around the, the size here. And in AD 23, the emperor Tiberius granted Smyrna uh, the privilege of building a local temple to honor Augustus and his wife Livia, and then also Tiberius' mother. But, but the city of Smyrna was chosen among the 11 cities to, uh, for the honor of building a provincial temple, temple for the emperor Tiberius. He's like, well, I don't know if I care about all this stuff. You throw in the history stuff out. I guess that's one of those things. I, I like to know those things. It gives us a picture, an insight of what it was really like back then and what they were dealing with. And so here they are, uh, cities wanted permission to build these special temples because it gave them prestige. And it gave them, it made a, gave them some good inroads with Washington, D.C. I mean, for, you know, for uh, Rome as well. And so you got, you got several things happening. In fact, it would also give them a lot of revenue. They get a lot of, got, get a lot of income out of these kind of things. And uh, it would help them because their leading citizens could become part of the priesthood of their false religion that worshipped their emperor. The crazy things that people do for money and power. But later, another leader awarded Smyrna a, a second a, a imperial temple. And there's a guy you may know of, at least you know the Apostle John, right? Maybe not by face to face, but, but you know of him. And the Apostle John had a guy that was one of his disciples, and his name was Polycarp. Now, kind of a neat name. I don't know if, you know, hey, if we have more kids, Jody, I think we're past that time, but uh, we should name a kid Polycarb. But Polycarb, <laughs> it is funny in itself. I think we're done. <laughs> Polycarb was this disciple, and see, he died a martyr's death in the stadium at Smyrna. He gave his life for Christ there. And Polycarp's endurance is an outstanding testimony to the tenacious faith that was exercised by the followers of Jesus in that area. And so believers like Polycarp stuck it out to the end. And there are a couple words we need to consider in this passage. And one of them is this. Jesus said, I know your tribulation. And he said, I know your afflictions. And the word tribulations later, it's later translated into persecution. And under Domitian, the, the emperor worship was ordered for every Roman citizen with the threat of death. So they're going to say, hey guys, it's, it's worship him or you're out of here. And they don't mean kick him out, they mean finish them. And so at, at once a, a year, the, the citizen had to burn incense on the altar of Caesar. And here's the deal. After that, they were given a certificate. You have a certificate. Hey, we, we, we burned the incense, just a pinch of it, uh, to Caesar. And they had that certificate. And all a citizen had to do was to burn that little incense and then say, Caesar is Lord, which in Greek, that's Kyrios. And that's all they had to do. There was at least one major problem with this for God's people because that word Kyrios in Greek 
uh, means Lord, and that was the title for Jesus, right? The Lord Jesus. And, and so that, that becomes an issue, and these early followers of Jesus weren't going to live, give in to the pressure to taint their relationship to the one true God, whether it gave them inroads for financial uh, 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 freedom or what, they were going to serve Christ. And why should we do something different than what they did? Remember, they suffered, though, because of it. We know that. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, it says this in verse 28. It says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And then he goes on to say, Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That should be a, that should be a, a, a check for us and say, Hey, we need to focus on what really matters here and what we're doing and living out our life and living out our faith. We shouldn't let all the other things speak into our life and limit us from following Jesus because he has a plan for our lives and he will take care of us in his own way. So Jesus also said, he also said, I, I know you're poverty, but you're rich. That's an, it seems like an oxymoron, right? It doesn't seem right. But he says, I know you're poverty, but you're rich. And that word poverty in context with the phrase, uh, but you are rich, infers that these believers, they were materially poor. They didn't have a lot of cash. They probably didn't have much to their name. Uh, but their riches were in their relationship with God. You know, it's, it's hard for people to think about it this way, but the fact is, is if we had nothing and if we have God, we have everything we need. There are places in Scripture where Jesus spoke about being spiritually poor, like in Matthew chapter 5, but it's kind of a different type of context to what he's saying there. And so we know that some of the early, uh, early believers were wealthy, but for some reason in the city of Smyrna, they were relatively poor, and the city itself was a wealthy city. So it could be that since they wouldn't burn that incense to Caesar, uh, they weren't let off the hook. And maybe the government put some economic pressures on them to prevent them from getting what they needed. And so uh, we don't know for sure, but we know, we know that they were poor there. And Jesus told these believers in Smyrna that they were rich in him and you know, it's one thing to be rich in material things. Being wealthy is not an issue as long as your heart is open to live for God. That's number one. But, but this had to be a difficult place for them to be in. And they knew, that they knew they could thrive financially if they would just simply do that little pinch of uh, incense and then get their certificate, right? That's all they had to do and, and just say Caesar is Lord. Maybe they would have thought, well, if I just do that, I can ask for forgiveness in the end. How many times have you heard people say that? But they would not give in to the sin which could destroy their lives. Because sometimes that's what happens. People say, well, I can do that. It's not a big deal. I'll ask forgiveness and then go on and but the doors they open can destroy them. I remember when I lived in West Africa, when I was in, uh, went through a town, and it's called Benway State in Nigeria. We were going through the area, and I came upon a leader, a, a chief, would have been considered a chief, who wanted to force another tribe to make a sacrifice to the false god that he was serving. 
before they would make any change in that particular community and they were trying to work through all these problems and the other tribe actually was made up of a bunch of Christians and this guy, he was one of the unreached groups there in that area and he was pretty, pretty tough. And uh, the tribe, uh, the tribe that was uh, the group of people that was made up of a lot of Christians, they said, no way, we are not going to worship your God or be part of that. And the guy said, all you have to do is provide a goat and some mis- miscellaneous things, and that's all you have to do. It's not like they couldn't afford it. That wouldn't have been an is- issue. They could have done that. But, but, but they realized that if they did that, they were giving in in such a way that spiritually they were putting themselves, tying themselves to the enemy of their souls. And it did put them in hardship because they wouldn't do that. And they couldn't make the, the changes in the community that they needed to make in the town. And so he, uh, that's all he wanted was that goat and that stuff. But it would have been so simple for them to give in. But the spiritual ramifications were huge. And they chose not to run that direction. See, you know, sometimes people suffer uh, because, a hardship because uh, uh, when they do right. Uh, but, uh, but, but as Jesus helps us to understand, if we will remember that he is the one who was in the beginning, he will keep us when real judgment comes. Because that's what really matters, right? Third thing here is that you, you, he says you face blasphemous Jews who are from the devil. He doesn't mean that all Jewish people were of the, of the devil. It's not what he's saying, but Jesus says through John in, in verse 9, I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. We, we have to remind ourselves that Jesus and John are both Jewish themselves, right? And uh, Jesus knows the heart of every human being. And they they had some issues there. And what did he mean in this case? It seems that certain Jewish people, not all of them, lied or deceived others uh, to incite persecution to those who were following the Messiah there in uh, Smyrna. And even though these people may have claimed to be offspring of Abraham, they were not true descendants because they did not have faith in the Messiah himself. Jesus said that they are the synagogue of Satan. He could have said the church of Satan. He could have said whatever, but he was saying the real source of the persecution was from the devil himself. Which I think it's important for us to realize that in the days that we live, I don't think people think well enough about it and let the scripture, we need to let the scripture speak into our lives. It wasn't just the work of ignorant men. But it was from the enemy. That's why when we face tribulation or persecution or difficult times, we have to recognize the real source. And that's why we don't fight against flesh and blood. That's why we pray, right? That's what is important for us. That's one of those things that we have to let rule in our lives. That's a principle. We need to trust in our Lord. We need to focus on him and let him walk with us in the times that we live in. Because it's easy when things happen and people may may say something to you or cause you problems. And the first thing you want to do is is slap back, right? But that's not going to work. That's not how the Lord wants us to be. He needs us to be people who trust in him and we seek his face and ask him to help in us help us. So sometimes people blame the devil when a problem arises, but actually they're living outside of God's direction. 
So when that happens as well, somebody, they're, they're a believer and they choose to go their own way and do their own thing. And yet, yeah, but we have to understand that Satan can influence people to do things or to create ungodly systems or laws that are harmful. Those are realities. We've all, probably all in this room lived life long enough to know that that's true. And look at what Peter did when he told Jesus he didn't have to go to the cross. It's so interesting how Jesus handles that. He, he, he nicely says, not really. He, he says in Mark chapter 8, verse 33, he says, Get behind me, Satan. He's talking to Peter. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Sometimes that's our problem, isn't it? Sometimes we are looking out for our best interests so much that we're not allowing God to uh, take care of his interests. And we're more concerned about us and our human concerns. And, and yet, if P Peter had to be stand corrected, and I'm sure that the Lord has to do that to each and every one of us at times as well. We have to allow him to do what he wants. And so here at this time... You know, he, he's, uh, there's, there's uh, certain people are, are using malicious untruths to slander them, to incite persecution to the believers at the time. And there are these poor saints in Smyrna. And even though Satan is the author of persecution and wicked men are his instruments, God is still the ruler and judge. And he will give the crown of life to those who are faithful to him. For us, we want to be faithful. We want to stick it out till the end, no matter what comes in our way. And, and being faithful isn't always sticking it out in our way. Sometimes being faithful is sticking it out to the end in God's way. So that, that sometimes means, that means we have to change or adjust how we do things to allow God to get the glory. Because if we do it our way, then it doesn't, we, God's not necessarily getting the glory. We are, and then what have we gained? Not much. We need to trust in our Lord. We need to trust Him and know that He is with us and that He will give us the crown of life to those who are faithful. There was a government leader who threatened a follower of Jesus, and some of you, if you know history, you may know his name is Eusebius, and I probably slaughter his name when I say it, but they, they threatened him and said they were going to confiscate all his goods, they would torture him, they would banish him, or even uh, kill him. And the, this courageous guy said, he needs not, and this is older English, right, translated, but he needs not fear confiscation who has nothing to lose, nor banishment to whom heaven is his country, nor torments when his body can be destroyed at one blow, nor death, which is only uh, only." which is the only way to set him at liberty from sin and sorrow. What do we have to lose in the end? What do we really have to lose? Not, not very much. If we honestly follow Jesus, we don't have much to lose. If we keep our faith and our trust in him, uh, we're, we're not of this world even though we live in this place. We're not of this world. We live here. We have to do business here, right? Uh, but, and uh, yeah, sure, we have to do business in relationship to other people, but we have to do it God's way. Amen. Now Jesus moves on to verse 10 here, uh, and he encourages and warns the disciples in Smyrna, and he says this in verse 10. He says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. He's giving them a warning. 
He said, I, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So don't, be fe don't fear, but be faithful. For us today, don't fear, but be faithful to the Lord. It's important to notice that this church not only is not only told that they have a, a, a they didn't, they weren't told that they had a fault uh, but, uh, or a sin, but Jesus only encourages them. This church they, seemed like they were walking with the Lord in the right way. Ephesus had some issues, right? Well, these guys seemed to be doing fairly good, but they were struggling, and he's trying to encourage them. And in the first century Roman world, prison was not usually, usually disciplinary. It wasn't normally just for that, right? It, but it was uh, the prelude to uh, trial and execution. And this, this, this shows the meaning of be faithful even to the point of death. So what he says there, it's very possible that they may go to give their lives. So we have to remember, don't fear, but you're going to suffer. And he says this, my, my question is, haven't these guys suffered enough? You know, they've struggled through a lot of things already for Smyrna. It's a local church, right? They went through a lot, a lot of stuff already. Well, the Lord was letting them know ahead of time so that they would be ready to draw their strength from him. And that's what we need to do in the days that we live in. We need to make sure that we draw our strength from him because he has a plan for each of us. Draw your strength from him. Most of the time, we hope that God would save us from the struggle. And sometimes he works, uh, works in us to make us strong, even, even uh, through, through us to glorify his name. But have you ever had a time when the Lord warned you before something was going to happen like this? You're like, hey, you, you need to be ready. You had a knowing inside. And when you stay, then you stay in prayer and, and, and he, can, he can do it however he wants to. And you, you, uh, you know it's in his best interest. I know one time when I was in a ministry... Uh, the Lord impressed me that I'd be involved in that uh, ministry for a shorter time than what I expected. Uh, that's quite some time ago. But I, I, I left that word when the Lord gave that to me in my prayer closet. I kind of set it on the shelf. I said, okay, Lord, if that's the case, if, if I'm understanding right, you'll take care of it. You'll do that in your time. Uh, and so I prayed it through and left it there. And I realized that if it was God, he would do it. So later I was surprised the very thing came to pass. Uh, and the Lord had spoken some other things as well, and he fulfilled that as well also in a year or so from that point. But he, he gave that word to me not to scare me. And I think sometimes we misunderstand that. He, he gives us the word to encourage us and to help us and so that we can lean on him when those things come to pass because he wants us to be strong and ready to live the life we're living. He has a plan for you. And he wants to work through your life. And he, he's not this God up there like a mean ogre with, a, with one of those big old things, a club with all the spikes on it, just ready to bop you on the head and take you out as soon as he desires to. It's not the way God is. Sure, he's a God who cares. Like a, he's a good father, not like a human father, but a good father who cares for us. And he may correct us at times. He does that. 
So the Lord was doing something special here, and Jesus was preparing the church at Smyrna to face this imprisonment. And so we see there that the devil is going to throw you into prison is basically what he's telling some of them. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we're going to suffer some more, but they didn't need to fear. And Jesus also said that they would be in prison 10 days. Now, it may be a figure of speech. We don't know. Maybe a figure of speech or it may have been a literal 10 days. And one thing is for sure, it will not be easy. It's never easy to go through the fire, is it? Right? It's just never easy to go through the fire. But, but you can go through it without fear. And maybe you're walking through something in your life even now. And maybe, maybe you feel like you're in the fire. But you have to be able to look to the Lord and know that he will walk with you in it. Amen. He is there. He's there for you. So he's, the devil is going to throw them into prison, so to speak. And so, uh, but you can go through it. There's a five-year-old boy, Johnny. He was in his kitchen. He was in the kitchen with his mom as she made some supper. Uh, she asked him to go to the pantry and get her a can of tomato soup, but he didn't want to go alone. You know how it is, little kids. It didn't want to go. He said, it's dark in there and I'm scared. Uh, and so she asked him again, and he persisted. Finally, she said, it's okay. Jesus will be in there with you. Uh, and so Johnny walked hesitantly. He gets to the door, and he, he opens the door, and he peeks inside, and it was dark. And he, he started to leave, but all of a sudden he got an idea. And this, this is what he said. Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me that can of tomato soup? <laughs> I love kids. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> so, hey, uh, he, he's looking to the Lord. At least he's learning early. Uh, and maybe not. God's not going to do it the way he wants. But, hey, you don't have to fear when you face things like the believers did in Smyrna. You may be walking through some of those things yourself. But Jesus told them not to fear but to be faithful. And finally, he tells them this, he who overcomes won't be hurt by the second death. Jesus said, be faithful and I will give you life as your victor's crown. I will give you this life. And he said, the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. See, the Lord was giving the church a promise and they will not be judged with those who turn away from the Lord or despise the Lord. You know what he was saying. You can overcome, and you don't have to fear, even if life seems to hand you a raw deal. Amen. Maybe for some you feel like, oh, you know what, uh, this is a raw deal. Maybe you're walking through some things like, God, I don't know how we can make it through this or why I have to deal with this. Or, uh, but you know what, God is with you. He'll never leave us or forsake us. You know, we can say that and it and become... It can become so trite, and so we're so used to that, but we have to be able to step back and recognize the real facts that he will not leave us or forsake us. Maybe you're, maybe you're like Jesus' people in Smyrna. Maybe you're poor and lacking, but your faith is strong. Keep trusting him. Don't let what others say or do discourage you. Be strong. Be strong not just in yourselves, but in Christ, because Jesus gave everything for you so that you could have hope. Amen. You know, you may have tribulations. You may have them uh, 
upon difficulties in your life, that those guys suffered persecution, and then on top of it, they were imprisoned, and probably some of them didn't, didn't continue to live physically. Do you think you're worse off than they are? It's something to think about. I, I don't really think so. Be encouraged by Jesus' words. Don't fear and be faithful. Don't fear and be faithful because God has a plan for you. God has a perfect plan for your life. Does that mean it's going to be totally easy? Not necessarily. There'll be some times you say, hey, I'm flying like a kite. Everything is working well. Everything is going well. It's all going good. And all of a sudden, you, you face something again. And it's like, I don't know, Lord. How can you work this out in my life? He's there. He's got your back. He's with you. He'll walk with you. Put your faith and put your trust in him because he has a plan for you. Don't be pulled aside by all the other things that come your way because they'll come your way, right? They'll come your way. That's part of living in this world. And sometimes uh, they can come pretty harshly, can't they? Look at what happened with Smyrna. I'm thankful that the Lord has us in his hands and he cares for us and he loves us. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we recognize that you have done so much for us in our lives, Father God, and for those who are new to faith, they're coming back to faith. I pray that you would sustain them and build them up, Father God, and you would fill them with your grace and your power. I pray, Father God, for each and every person here, Father God, who has allowed some things in their life to kind of pull them to the side and, and, and they've kind of forgot that you have their back. And, and, and when they thought about you having their back, that they're just like, God, I don't know if you really do or not, but you do. And Father, I pray that you would help them to walk it out to the end, to be faithful. Father, to give the grace that only you can give, to give the strength that only you can give. Father, we put our faith and our trust in you because you alone are God. You alone are the judge. It's not any other man. It's you alone. And Father God, you are the king. And we worship you because you are the one who is Lord. There is no other Lord but you. And we bow our knees to you and no one else, Lord. May you be glorified. May you be honored. May you be honored in my life. May you be honored in this church body's life. May you be honored in everything we do. We trust you, Father, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.